much as they had learned to accept Simon Templar's sudden and disturbing appearances in all kinds of unlikely places. Men in the variegated police uniforms of a dozen European and South American countries, as well as staidly bowler-hatted Chief Inspector of Scotland Yard, and a certain gruff, grey-haired detective in New York City. Men who could have met at any time and talked lengthily on one common ground apart from their professional interest in the enforcement of the law, namely their separate and individual reminiscences of the impudent outlawries which had blazed Simon Templar's trail around the earth. There were also an even larger number of public enemies from just as many places who could have joined in the chorus with no less indignation. Who would have been equally surprised to find him in a setting so different from the urbane backgrounds against which he was usually tracing his debonair and dangerous saga of adventure? But these surprises would have been purely geographical. There would have been no surprise that he lay there on the threshold of more trouble, for trouble was a thing that clung like an aura to the presence of Simon Templar, whom some imaginative newspaper men had christened the Robin Hood of modern crime— but who was much better known to police files and the unwritten records of the underworld as the saint. The dust cloud lengthened sluggishly towards him, churned up by the wheels of a well-worn car whose labouring engine sent a faint grumble of protest to his ears through the great stillness, and the saint waited for it with the infinite patience of any Indian who might have lain in the same ambush more than a hundred years before watching a covered wagon crawl through the scrub-sprinkled valley below his eyes. You might have seen something of the same Indian, too, in the intent lines of his tanned, reckless face, but that would have been an easy illusion. The same lines would have fitted as naturally into the picture of a conquistador scanning the shore of a new world, or of d'Artagnan mocking the courts of France. They were only the heraldry of a character that would have been the same in any age or place, the timeless brand of the born buccaneer. Perhaps that was another reason also why he seemed as much at home there as he would have been against the shining sophistication of a city boulevard, because it was inevitably right that he should fit in wherever adventure offered, because he himself was the living embodiment of adventure— but the saint himself would never have thought about it so romantically as that, being strictly concerned at the moment with the mechanical job that he was there to do. The car rattled around another curve, with the driver nursing it gingerly over ruts and washboards, and then it was as close to where he was hiding as it would ever be. At that he estimated the range at a little more than a hundred yards, and rested his brown right hand on a rock in front of him as coolly as if he had been trying a trick shot for his own amusement. Judgment of distance, speed, and elevation merged into one imperceptible coordination as he squeezed the trigger. The magnum jarred in his grip with a discreet flop, but he still held the aim until he saw the car swerve on one flattened front tire, bump a little way off the road, and come to a grinding stop. It had never had enough speed to be in any danger of overturning, and he had had no such fate in mind for it anyway. Satisfied that he had done no more and no less than he meant to do, he slid away down the other side of the hillock, straightened up as soon as he was safely below the skyline, and walked quickly to the big Buick parked in the sandy arroyo below the sheltering slope, unscrewing the cumbersome silencer as he went, 
and a few minutes later the long sedan jounced out of the wash onto the dirt road half a mile south, turned back, and battered its way north again over the tracks left by the car which he had just brought to an effective standstill. Simon braked as he came up with it, and a white-haired man in a neat but incongruous business suit eased his back from a pained and unprofitable scrutiny of the deflated tyre. Simon leaned out and grinned amiably at him. Anything wrong? he inquired. The white-haired man gazed back at him through silver-rimmed spectacles with the peculiarly sadistic tolerance reserved by all right-minded voyagers for those persons who ask futile questions in unspeakable situations. We had a blowout, he said with admirable restraint. Maybe I can help, said the saint cheerfully. He swung out of his car and inspected the evidence of his marksmanship with concealed satisfaction. His single bullet had done its job as neatly as he could have desired.